cool as a cucumber, of course, as the Brooklyn Nets get a 130-123 victory over the Detroit Pistons. We'll break down why this game took a little bit more effort than it should have, what it indicates about the road ahead for Brooklyn, and why every game should be a sweat for the Nets, right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, it's the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings, DraftKings, FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the New York Football Giants on the One Giant Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day, free on all those great platforms, Doug. And as you can tell, I've gone into dark mode, pure focus, as the Brooklyn Nets continue their search towards the playoffs with what we might call a bit of a hiccup along the way. Yeah, look, this is game This game is indicative of what they're probably going to see from here on out. That's one thing we're going to really discuss here is that how this game, yes, it's a W, but why there should be like sort of still remaining concern as we head into the absolute home stretch of the season, which is where they are now. But, you know, I, the t- the good takeaway is, of course, that they win this one because it, there were times in this one where that did not look like it was <laughs> a certainty. But uh, yeah, but this still highlights that like this is a flawed team, and if the road is not going to just all of a sudden pave its way with gold and be very easy, like it's if anything, it's just it, it sets itself up to be even more difficult. And we're going to talk about Kevin Durant's performance in this game, where he's taking his game as they the playoffs, obviously, and what we can really take from this one and apply going forward for the Brooklyn Nets. But it really starts out in a game, again, the Detroit Pistons, who don't necessarily have a lot to play for this season, coming out and giving Brooklyn their absolute best shot. No Jeremy Grant, 29th ranked offense in the league, and yet this was a sweat for Brooklyn, what, three and a half quarters into this game. It shouldn't have been, but I think this is that big indication when you look at the schedule and say, well, here's automatic victories. No, it was true at the start of the year. It may be for a different reason now, but every team is going to give Brooklyn their best shot. Yeah, look, credit to the Pistons. They're 20 and 56. Um, They have really nothing to play for except to try to lose to get better lottery odds. So like that really most teams would be in this mode right now. But it highlights um, something that I think we have seen over the course of the season and will continue to see down the stretch here is that teams just want to beat the Nets. Like this, the Nets are, for whatever reason, um, a public team at this point, like in the face of like sort of like NBA fandom. Like there are, you know, they have two well known superstars, one that's sort of controversial and one that like, you know, has plenty of stands out there in Durant. And I think that we're just seeing another, this a team that's like, they are, they're like, hey, they're treating this like a playoff basketball game. Like, they, yeah. they are treating, this, their Pistons are as far away from the playoffs as you can really be in the NBA at this point. And this game, there's no doubt about it, like, they very badly wanted to win. Example, they were hacking Andre Drummond down the stretch to get him to the foul line. Like, you don't do that when you're just running, like, literally and proverbially or figuratively running the shot, running the clock out. Like, they want, you're, when you're sending, you know, old teammate Andre Drummond to the foul line to, like, to get fouled or, or whatever, because you think he's going to miss his free throws, that's because you are, you think that's what your best advantage is to actually win. 
And it's a it's a very minor thing in the game, and there's lots of other examples of this, just the way they played. But if you want an example of teams that like, hey, for the one night, the lottery odds don't matter. We want yeah. to win. <laughs> we want to win, and this is what we're going to do. I was going to say, by the way, between uh, the deuces the other night from Drummond going to the basket and then this one where after he knocked down some of those late free throws, gave the little finger point over to, over to Dwayne Casey on the bench. like He's like, hey, thanks, I'll take those. Like This is also a part of it, too, where I think uh, that mentality from Brooklyn has to start to come out here a little bit earlier maybe than you expect. We know these are all must-win games. But, but but to your point, like this is a pelt on the wall. You're, you're a young team in Detroit. If you can, in the last seven or eight games of the season, beat the Brooklyn Nets, who, as we just said last episode, are still one of the top teams considered to win the championship this year, that means something to a young team. It means something to Cade Cunningham, right? Like, hey, I took on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and led my team to a victory, however you want to slice it. And it's rough to... It's rough to look at some of the hiccups that the Brooklyn Nets have had and then project forward here when we talked about record and what they can do down the stretch and how they can secure their seventh seed and all, all these kind of things we talked about coming off of the off night and games that were won around the league. The Nets have shown they're capable of stumbling against teams like this. They almost did it tonight. They almost succumbed to that. And that's why this theme going forward around who they're going to see over the remainder of the season is a... A scary prospect, I think, or at least not one where you can just be checking these boxes. The the interesting thing will be, and we'll get into it tomorrow, is how do they show up against the big ones? Because you said before we started, only team that doesn't present a challenge for Brooklyn in in recent games is the Miami Heat, someone that should be the big test for them. Right, in Miami, too. Like, where it's just like, it doesn't make any sense that they smoke that team and then, you know, they've struggled. Uh, you know, they lose the Charlotte and then sh- I, w- I would say they struggled in this game. Like they, I get yep. that they won and I get they won by seven, but um, they struggled. And some of it's the same old story for the Nets, like where and I think where these themes develop around how teams sort of view playing Brooklyn is, look, not everything is a hustle stat. And this is probably putting too big of an umbrella over it. But there's certain things that kind of highlight if a team maybe is out hustling. One is, again, a problem area for the Nets all season has been on the off, uh, the opposing offensive glass where they mm-hmm. just get killed. They allow the fourth. Well, they going into this game, they allowed the fourth most offensive boards to opponents. And that could only have gotten worse here. They allowed they got out rebounded 17 to nine on the offensive glass. That is just a work. We are out hustling you here. Like we'll give up the idea that you might get faster into transition with that. We're going to try to use some size to just get on the glass because that's going to be our best way to stay in the game. The Pistons did it all game. Again, they were the second chance points and the offensive glass have been problems for Brooklyn all year. It was just another problem in this one. And then you combine that with, you know, the idea that some of these three pointers, especially early when they were shooting like 50% early in the game from beyond the arc, yeah, it's a little like variance being on the wrong side of variance. It can be, except that they were all again wide open, <laughs> right? Like, like, and and this is these are just continued recurring themes for this team. Only again highlighted by the Pistons, who they just allowed it to happen again to a bad one. Yeah, and this is the, they're the tenth best the Brooklyn Nets coming into this game in, in opposing three point percentage, right? Thirty four point seven, I think it was, and and it was weird to look that up while I was watching this one because. While that may be the case, and I think you had the updated ones where over the last month they've actually been a little bit worse, closer to middle of the pack in the league, and that's fine, but it feels like whether the open looks are the, are the biggest component of it. And that, that's a running theme that we've seen here, but it does feel like they have kind of these pendulum games where go back to the Mavericks game, well, they shot 35% from beyond the arc, okay, fine, but then go to the Charlotte game, above 50%. Like, I think that maybe in in the overall, 
it looks like, oh, yeah, they're, they're a pretty solid team defending against the three-pointer, but they are very susceptible to not getting over on rotations, not having some of the little hustle plays against some guys you don't anticipate knocking down the triples, and then cut two, you give these blow-up games that really can, they can impact you. The first half of this one, 64 points in the first half against Detroit. Again, 29th-ranked offensive team with no Jeremy Grant. Like, you cannot have that happen. I don't care if you end up winning the game and there's all these, you know, this sense of, well, the job still got done in the end. You got outworked and out-hustled and at some points out-schemed in terms of adjustments that you can make. And this has been one that we've, we've come back to this bell time and time again on. If you're giving this kind of looks up to the Detroit Pistons, what will it look like come playoff time against some of the better teams that have some of the better sharpshooters? Yeah, and so look, I, and sometimes I understand, I'm I, and, I, and I'm and I'm guilty of this too because it can seem like in the moment it, it's worse than it actually is, right? Like sure. so, like in the moment it's like, oh, teams just hit all the open threes, and the Nets just don't, you know, don't defend the three point line well that well. I mean, the, over the course of the season, that that doesn't really bear out. Like that is that's being again prisoner of the moment. I'm guilty of it as well. It's it's hard to watch a game and think that the thing you're seeing hasn't been the thing that's been happening the whole time. It's just like the way right. the human brain works. Um, it's just it's right down the human brain chain like society just thinks that way you think the thing that's happening is indicative of the thing that's always been happening it's not the case but but it's still you you can say it's like not as bad as you think it is and it's still kind of been a problem right so like <laughs> right, it's right. and i think both things uh can be true along that spectrum and like and again so and this is where this game against the pistons only and i'll just reiterate this again before and we'll move on to K, to kd but the it just highlights concerns you already have about the team. Like we already have major concerns about this team as a championship contender. Okay, I'm going to frame it all this as as a championship contender. That's our only really goal at this point, right? Or can the Brooklyn Nets win a championship? And when you when you frame things like that, the games like this make it really like you have to squint to see it. Like it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it just doesn't compute. So, all right. And that's why I think you're right. Just in, in terms of everything, when you see something like this, you're like, these are the boxes you want to be checking off before you get to the playoffs, right? Again, title. What do we not need to be doing better? And when you don't see it against the bad team, it feels like it amplifies it even more. hundred percent. But when we come back from this one, I'll tell you about why you should stay on the positive side from the, uh, on the old championship contender piece. Cause they still won this game, and there still are positive takeaways to, to get from this one and why they still have, you know, the in, in terms of the best chip that you can have going to a championship, the Nets definitely still have that. We'll talk about that in a second. First, going to talk to you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Look, Prize Picks is a daily fantasy option. It's made super easy. If you're looking to get into player props, do not head over to those big operators and you know, don't even worry about like putting in these big lineups. Prize Picks has made this all very simple. I love Prize Picks, so will you. The setup is perfect for NBA fans when you want to get into a game. All you do, you pick two to five players, you go the over under on their projections. You can win up to 10x. That's 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. You're not putting in lineups against those sharks out there. You're just looking at something and saying, hey, I like the over on Kevin Durant's uh, 30 points tonight. That was easy. Uh, you want the under on, well, hopefully you didn't take the under on like someone like Kate Cunningham because he won over too. But that's what you do in prize picks. You know basketball. You know the Nets. You know the rest of these guys. You just go and pick the over-unders. And you can do points scored, rebounds, steals, assists. All They're all there available for you on prize picks. Uh, not just NBA either. MLB coming up football when they get back into it uh it's all there for a limited time prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users you're going to get 50 dollars for free if a, if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point 
but you have to use the code NBA. That's right, exclusive offer just for those locked on fans out there. Sign up today on Prize Picks and use the code NBA for $50 for free if a player on your team scores a single point. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. So, as you say, we, we, we still win. The Brooklyn Nets still win this game, and we still feel like you always have Kevin Durant. You always have, we think, Kyrie Irving getting back into form here. And when you look at Kevin Durant, I think. We, we've done, I think we've done a good job all season long of kind of always reframing back to this idea of Kevin Durant is, if not one of, the best player in the NBA, and you sometimes can take it for granted. You sometimes just look past the box score, all of a sudden you flash down, and he's had one of those type of performances. And in that vein, the one thing I'll say when you looked inside of his game tonight, we'll get into the, the totality of it. He still gave you, still gave you, 41 points in this game off a of 14 of 23 shooting, got to the line nine times, knocked down every single one of those, and four of six from beyond the arc, which is a pretty big component for, for Kevin Durant's game. It's not always the first phase that you go to here, but maybe most importantly, if you want to take a, an extra positive out of this, 39 minutes. There's something that we've heard Steve Nash talk about down the stretch here around the fatigue and wanting to make sure you keep these guys fresh. Keeping Kevin Durant under 40 minutes while he's still giving you 41 points in a winning effort, that matters, and he's been showcasing it on both ends. Yeah, look, if we're, if every game's going to pl- be a playoff game, then there's no other player you want more than Kevin Durant. If there was a draft pick right now to, when you entered the playoffs, I'm not doing something like, you know, over the next five years. Uh, uh, if you're saying if to win a playoff game, you know, what healthy player would you want? I'll, I'll eliminate some guys here by saying healthy player. Which healthy player would you want right now? I'm positive Kevin Durant would be most teams' first pick. Like, I, and I get that, like, over the course of a season, he's not going to win the MVP. Jokic has been amazing. Embiid's been amazing. Giannis, um, I guess maybe Giannis is close here. Um, but the, he, he's so on the short list. Like, KD would definitely be chosen over those guys if you're trying to go in and win playoff games because his particular skill set everyone knows translates one-to-one to what you need to win close games. He can get any shot over any defender in basketball. Like, that, that point stop right there. Like, if he's, if he's like a human cheat code sort of on offense, when the game slows down and it's, it can get to be like a rock fight and you need baskets, and they are the hardest baskets to come by in basketball because everyone is dialed in, Kevin Durant would be everyone's first choice to be on their team. And so when you have him, you're always going to have a chance in these playoff-style basketballs. We saw him rise up in this one sort of on the back of, I need to I need to pick up my game here, and he did, and they, the rest of the team fed off of it. It was uh, Richard Jefferson made the comment on, on the broadcast about the evolution of Kevin Durant's game as he's gotten a little bit older. It's just been, I'm just going to work to my spot and get my shot. It's not necessarily about taking on a defender in a way where I need to blow past this guy. I need to you know, do something absolutely elite from a talent and athleticism standpoint, which is capable of. It's more just methodical. And we talked about that all year too. I'm going to slowly get to my spot. Maybe you'll flash the double team. Maybe I'll shoot over top of the both of you. Maybe I'll pass out of it. But he seems to be in a very comfortable mode when it comes to possession to possession, not overdoing anything, not trying to ramp up, right? He just plays his pace. His pace of game is the same from the tip-off as it is in the fourth quarter. And the one thing we talked about is overall game in this one, and we were, I was critical of him a handful of games ago, the total stat line for him with the five assists, with the 11 rebounds, with the three blocks, I thought it was four. I feel like they shortchanged him on one possibly in this one, but also only the two turnovers. I said, like, this is, as we talk about getting into playoff basketball, you need to continue to refine your game and be playing at the highest possible level. That's not something you could afford to sacrifice. Five or six turnovers like he's had in some games. Did that again tonight? Could have been on the losing end of it. So um, I, I thought his overall game was really solid. And then if we really, 
again, take for granted the offensive side of it. Defensively, I think that you're seeing him get into that mentality now and the way that the team feeds off of it. Like he is the, I say, emotional leader of this team, right? Like the way oh, yeah. that he reacts to plays is the way the team gets motivated, as opposed to not a knock on, but Kyrie is an even keeled guy that just gives you his performance. Kevin Durant really does dictate the tempo and the mentality of this team. Yeah, oh for sure. And he's uh he's an ordinary guy on the on the on the court. That's a compliment. Oh, yeah. Like it's uh like you want him to be like that. He snarls and he talks and he you know belittles players if he thinks he's better than them and you know he gets mad if he thinks you thinks you slighted him in some way and burned but, some holes in in refs backs with his eyes today where he was like, "Hey buddy, <laughs> like you're missing fouls. I'm getting hit in the face here." Like he's he will teed just up. Like I don't think people think of him as sort of a fiery player. He definitely is. Like he's gotten teed yeah. up plenty this year. Um I mean, we're not like too far removed from him chucking the ball in the stands. Like he's done. He's done stuff right so um and I think for the most part like that is what you want but not for the most part that is what you want from your superstars you want him to be sort of a leader by example like he'll get on you if you make a mistake but he'll pick you up if you if he thinks you did something good he wants you to shoot if you're open like he trusts his teammates like there's he's the consummate teammate as far as I'm concerned like it's uh, it's pretty obvious watching him play and he's a consummate leader even though, even if the stuff is not like in the rah-rah kind of way it's kind of like hey I'm going to bring my 100% best every single game and that's the best in the world so the expectation here is that you will also right like if you're going Mm -hmm. to be on my team that you will do these things also that is the championship level mentality that this team can have when he is dialed up and I and I do think for as like weird as this game was we did see that from him especially late like he he was on the ground a lot he was getting hammered tonight multiple times where my heart was in my stomach where I thought like he was actually hurt like he twisted the ankle and came back like that ankle twist looked real bad in the moment to the point where even Richard Jefferson commented and said oh man that looks bad and I really I just kind of had almost paused the TV because I was like, well, it's not going to be able to deal with it. Um, but he just yeah, comes right back from that, has the blocks late that really ramp it up, hits a bunch of shots, like, and I and and bides the time for the team enough to get into like to have Kyrie like finally start hitting some shots also, right? Like, because yeah. that's what they needed him to be able to do late. So as long as you have Kevin Durant, like, you're still always going to be in this thing, and it sometimes just comes down to is the rest of the team going to be able to pick up enough slack if it's just not totally there. We're going to go big picture in a second, but I also think that's like to the point around Kevin Durant, Seth Curry has a quiet start to this game. Another guy who came down on the other ankle that was the healthy one and looked a little bit scary there, but he started 0 for 4. He only ends up knocking down two buckets in this ball game, yeah. but he did them in some big spots when you yep. needed them. Big tip of the cap to Bruce Brown, who a guy that you don't think about being someone who, again, we've talked about his three-point shooting, but players like this don't typically, when left on an island, it's not like Seth Curry getting to set his feet and go. He had all the time in the world. And still knocked it down. They, they talked about him in the last post game, saying he takes it personally when teams don't defend him on the perimeter. All of these guys still had these nice little performances all the way through the starting lineup. Everybody in the starting five was in double digits. You obviously had another nice game from Nicholas Claxton off the bench. We'll save for the off day, by the way. Another game where LaMarcus Aldrich, technically available, uh, picked up another DNP. What is that indicative of? But I... I stemming the tide here, and this is what we talk about from Kevin Durant, from Kyrie Irving, 7 of 18 in this one. Sometimes you guys need to do the heavy lifting early until your role players start to fill in around you. And you have to trust them. You have to demand the most of them like Kevin Durant does. But you need to make the buckets when, they, when they're when they needed. Everybody else needs to make them when the opportunities present themselves. And I think that that's been the difference over these couple of games where you say when Kyrie Irving struggles early, it doesn't matter if you make them late because the team is waiting for you, for Kevin Durant, to take the reins and really take control of it. I think that that's... Um, I mean, that sounds fair, right? Like, do you, we talk about, like, following the mentality of your two best players. If it's a sluggish start from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, if 
That 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 bleeds to the entire roster. Everybody goes, okay, when are they going to start getting us right. motivated in some ways? It's so funny too. Yeah, I totally agree. Like everyone's going to feed off those guys. You need those guys to be your leading scorers every night. Like the team is just constructed. That they're it make. It's not like a mistake. Like they're supposed to be have score the most points on the team every <laughs> right. night. And it's so funny that we're kind of like that we're taking this tactic on the game because it's easy to forget. Like the Nets put up 130 points in this game, <laughs> right? It doesn't. It kind of doesn't feel like it because they allowed 123 and it was close. But they hung 130. Hanging 130 points on anybody is hard. But it's what you can do when you have elite offense and you are going to elite defense. Uh, like you are going to out offense even someone on defense. And like only because the only because uh, the Pistons were able to sort of like win in those hustle areas that it was close because it's scoring does not remain a problem really in the aggregate for this team. No, no, just about getting those margins of victory a little bit wider. Coming up here in a second, going to explain why the sample size from this Detroit Pistons game should be concerning for the Brooklyn Nets down the final stretch of the season and heading towards the playoffs. Before we do, though, got to tell you about our friends over at Bill Bar. That's because, you know, if you want to get healthy, you want to feel good, you want to know that what's going into your body is good for you, you got to get over and try a Bill Bar. They're coated in 100% real chocolate protein bars with none of those nasty additives you get from candy bars or other junk food you may be looking at. They also give you the first-of-its-kind protein-infused marshmallow bar, also covered in 100% real chocolate, also 100% delicious. Talk about those stat lines. Listen, just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, just 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein in most bars. Compare that to a candy bar where you're looking at 240 calories, 30 grams of (laughs) sugar, let alone the dozens of net carbs. From flavors like mint, brownie, coconut, coconut, almond, and new this month, white chocolate chip cookies and cream they've got all those delicious flavors and if you can think of a good tasting one guarantee they're making it for you because that's what they're about great flavors and great for you go over to built.com right now and use promo code lock 15 and get 15 percent off on your order use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com so even though they took the best punch of a scrappy Detroit Pistons team, even though Kevin Durant was absolutely elite in this game and they won, and that's all that ultimately matters, win the games, there is a reason why when you look at 130-123 to 123 against the Detroit Pistons, there, there are holes here that the Nets are not necessarily going to be able to fill before they get to the playoffs and when the matchups you're going up against are going to be better. The, the talent level is going to be higher, and over a seven-game series, more difficult to play with consistency, potentially, for Brooklyn. Yeah, the problems are just kind of the problems at this point. Uh, we'll talk about Ben Simmons tomorrow. That's a longer discussion, so tune in tomorrow for a Ben Simmons update um, and just, like, where we land with him. But, um, you know, the problems, like I said, are sort of been problems all season for the Nets uh, in terms of where they get beat. And if we look at this Pistons game as a proxy, to some degree, the Hornets, though they have more, they had more motivation – because when you that this is like not going to go away for these last this last little stretch, the Nets still have, according to Tankathon, the well, before this game, it's going to move up a little bit somewhere like in the 27th to 29th uh, easiest remaining schedule uh, going against um, in the games they have remaining, mm-hmm. which looks good on paper because you're like, yeah, they got a super easy schedule. Great. They're going to win. Uh, hold on a second. Let's like we have to bump the brakes here because two things. One, that's by opponent winning percentage. Houston totally screws that up because they stink so bad that like they drive the whole they drive the whole percentage they drive the whole percentage down like because they're so awful and the reason they're going to get a little worse is they were 29th going to this game and the Pistons were also driving that down so it's like 
Again, these aren't like one-to-one things. You can't lose a percentage of a game. You either win the game or you lose the game. Um, but if you think that these the rest of these teams aren't going to have the same exact sort of like target on the back piece of, for the Nets going forward, you're kidding yourselves. Just the last little bits here. They got a, the game against Milwaukee. Uh, we already know how Milwaukee's going to play against that one. Atlanta, you know Atlanta has to win. They're trying to get out of the 10th seed uh, right now. Houston, okay, you want to say Houston's just so bad? Like, they are desperately trying to lose. They sh- they're they shutting right. people down. Like, okay, let's we'll take that one. The Knicks, you think the Knicks don't want to be on ESPN with three games left to go? Knicks season's, like, they're, if season's sealed, they're not going to be going their absolute hardest to beat the Nets? You're crazy. Like, that's going to be a playoff game for the Nets, 100%. Um, and, then, and then the final two, Cleveland's going to desperately need to win that game on the 8th. And then they have the Pacers, and maybe you hope the Pacers, who are fully in the tank, Brogdon out, and a couple other pieces, like maybe they're, we're going to see a lot of Kiefer Sykes. But like, all these games, like even the the Knicks, who are not in the playoffs, like these are going to be playoff games, and the Nets just have to be braced for that almost. Yeah, no, and that's why, again, when, and you think about tonight, physical team, right? Detroit Pistons, a lot of bigger bodies. You can you can look at the Knicks and say between, and this isn't about the hierarchy of how good or bad they are, Randall dealing with an injury, but, you know, Randall and OB Toppin and R.J. Barrett, like, he's he's a bigger physical guard that can present problems. His offensive game has come into form here. Like, every one of, every one of these games, we're talking about the, quote, bad teams that the Nets should pick up wins on, then pepper in the ones that are going to be against the better teams, like on Thursday night against the Milwaukee Bucks. So, you know, coming into this, the, the final 10 games of the season, right? It was, this was just before they they we got announced that Kyrie was going to be able to come back full time. You said eight and two, that would be the way to get there. And you look at the schedule and you think it's all good. They lost two games very quickly in the first of their last ten here to now say like they are in again win every game mode. So even if on Thursday night you can play a really good game, we'll talk about it tomorrow against against the Bucks and feel great about the performance and go toe to toe with them. And if you lose it. A game against the Knicks becomes amplified, much larger than it ever should be. A game against the Pacers in the final game of the season could be the make or break about being in the eighth seed and having two games to win one or the ninth seed and maybe just catching a bad break depending on how the rest of it plays out. So, um, you know, I I will tie back into, I had said coming off of that Charlotte loss and we got some conversations and and it's all good. I respect the opinions of overreacting, feeling overreacting to that loss against Charlotte. Keep look, keep watching the games tomorrow night when the Nets have overreact. Like, what do you mean overreact? Well, that's what I said. Like, it's like it's only one game, and they'll get right back on track against Detroit. That's okay, what other maybe they will. Said? They're, they're just over on YouTube, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, sorry. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, what are you crazy? You can't overreact. That was a terrible loss. There's no overreaction to that. That's a disaster. Like, well, I, and by the way, it? right? Like, so the off night goes good for them, and they get up in the standings. But like this game, did you feel like even even though the Nets won this game, and that's the box you want to check, you didn't come out and go, oh, they just bounced right back and put on a clinic against the the Detroit Pistons? No they way. looked sluggish. They looked like they were a beatable team until they managed to turn it on, and a 41 point performance from Kevin Durant got you there, and. You know, just to put it in well, context. Let me, let me put it, I'll yeah. put it in context for you about how I was feeling in the moment. With like three minutes left to the, uh, this is it. Three minutes left to go in the game where you and I are texting each other about like what we're going to talk about. Like, usually you and I, it, it, just the people that don't know, like we start, we text each other a lot during the game and talk about like what we want to talk about on the podcast and what themes and like sort of how, how we're going to talk about. And I made a statement. This is, I, I know for a fact, it was like three and a half minutes left in the game. I made a statement. I think this is what we should lead off with. And I put it in parentheses if they win. Like, cause it was not, it was not, cause it was, cause it was not, it was not for sure yet. Like it was, I thought they were going to, like, I felt okay about it, but I mean, it was not just that alone shows you that it was not a breezy victory here because like, 
with three and a half minutes left, I was like hoping I didn't jinx it, which is not real, obviously, but like hoping I didn't like jinx it for my own personal sanity uh, that they weren't going to win. So, and if you think that you, you you can't overreact to like the loss against Charlotte, that has so many implications. So anyone that over, everyone thinks that that was, there was an overreaction to how bad that loss was just isn't like paying attention. I sorry to make it sound like it, I'm being a jerk about that, but and, well, that, that, and that's why I I serve it up and I say let's just see where Doug takes this. We don't know for sure. Maybe he'll take a hard line. Maybe he'll be a gentleman. But and I think too. It's again when you look at these standings, um, and I just because in context, we'll, we're going to come in tomorrow, break down some more things, talk about Ben Simmons. But Cleveland's going to play Dallas tomorrow night. You're going to have uh, Charlotte taking on this Knicks team that seems like they want to prove some things. Toronto's going to be playing Minnesota. Like, there's going to be three games tomorrow night, just like the night off before, prior, where we said, oh, things kind of broke well. The Nets moved up in the standings ahead of Charlotte by not even playing a game. Three more games tomorrow night, and Atlanta plays as well. You could be coming back in on Thursday saying, really tough matchup against Milwaukee, and you could fall down. Like, you could fall right back down, and Atlanta could be closing the gap on you. It's going to be a night to night, game to game basis. And you said it last episode Nets fans should be as tuned into every other game around the back end of the Eastern Conference as they are to Nets games because the Nets could win every game the rest of the way and still fall to some other circumstance that they don't have control over. And that's the hardest part. You don't have total control over where you're going to end up in the seating, what it's going to look like from a matchup standpoint, and what other teams around you can accomplish. So I'll and call I'm it right now. I'll, I'm I'll, the one who's like bullish. You know? Yeah, and I'll call it right now. That's That second-to-last game against Cleveland, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about this because we're still a couple weeks away from this. That second-to-last game against Cleveland is going to be for the seventh seed because Cleveland lost Mobley. Jared Allen is not close to returning, it doesn't seem like, and Mobley might be actually hurt. And like they have just lost too many guys at this point. So we'll have more time to talk about that, but I know they're two and a half games out of the behind Cleveland right now, which with this many games left feels like probably too many, except that Cleveland, man, they've been decimated by injuries. I, I feel bad for them because I was, was kind of like rooting for them as like a sort of like a secondary team that I really wanted to see win. But, uh, but that, and by the way, they'll be matter. hurt and they're still going to give you your best shot. It's not going to oh, totally. be the rollover and die game from all the backup players, even with all their injuries. So, again, this. Uh, the Nets won, and that's all that matters. But I, I, I am—you can tell—I have been te- this entire episode. I am teetering on the fine line of being like the 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 guy who is always confident in what the Nets are going to accomplish, and. Hanging on by a thread. It's a delicate balance, Doug. I'm, I'm, I'm barely. I'm At this barely time of the year, there's no together. overreactions. There, that's all. It yeah. is. There's no overreactions this time of year. You want to overreact to something in October? Okay, maybe, maybe you can overreact then. There's no overreactions now. Okay, we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna bring up. We'll talk about Ben Simmons tomorrow. Uh, the updates on where he stands with his injury and what maybe timeline or not. We're gonna see him come back and play for the Nets. In the meantime, make sure you like and subscribe over on YouTube. I'll put the link in the show notes. Much appreciated. All the people that have jumped over there have subscribed to the show love comments for the show um it's great it's just um it just keeps me going even if i don't respond to every comment in the mornings i read every single one uh so and that's kind of how i wake up in the morning so make sure you leave them overnight because that's my my prime looking at youtube comments uh is in the morning right when i wake up and hopefully i can uh, put a little wind in the sails uh but yeah like and subscribe over on youtube Bonus Mia Copa on the delayed YouTube posting last night. Technical difficulties. Got it out there by 1 a.m. And everyone still showed up and got into the conversation. So, again, continued appreciation over there. But, hey, all I can do is just go out there and tighten up my game, tighten up my handles, just all the little basic things that you wouldn't even think about, the fundamental parts of the game. Derek Rose. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.